hope of the cross. Uh, today, uh, keep me in prayer, and you guys always do. Try to be grateful for what George has said. Sometimes even we preachers get our words mixed up. Talking about a sensitive subject uh, for me, and it has to deal with this issue of cancel culture. And I want to look at it from the scriptures. Um, be up, kind of be different places. But for our scripture reading to start, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5. Uh, I'm going to read the first two verses. So if you'll stand in God's honor. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we live in a world where we disagree. But Father, our charge is not to loudly let others know how much we disagree with those around us. Really, our job is to let others know how much we agree with you and how you love us how you set us free, forgave us with your gift that can't even be fully expressed because, quite frankly, it's God's fault what you do, not us. Father, as we take time to look to you, just guide us, Lord, as we seek you. I thank you for how we've been blessed thus far in this service and God, I don't want that blessing to stop. So, Holy Spirit, keep keep working. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh. At Evergreen University in Olympia, Washington, Brett Weinstein was a professor. And they had a practice, well, I guess they still do, at this university where they pick a day during the school year where the black faculty and students don't show up for class. And, and they do it as a means to try to say um, we're missed because we are an important part of the school and we want to show that by our absence. Brett, a uh, professor there, uh, everything changed in 2017 when they had asked the white people not to come to class that day and Brett showed up to teach his class and there were 50 protesters that made his life miserable afterward and those that tried to get him fired and he ended up suing the school for not protecting him in the end his voice was canceled because he came to class and he said there should be a difference whether I voluntarily choose not to come or whether I'm forced not to come. But there were louder voices that silenced his voice. Uh, A few years ago, there was a church, you may remember by the name of Westboro Baptist Church, who were just mean in the way they presented their beliefs. They were offensive and they were rude and is wrong. They canceled out voices of others. Shouldn't have done that. 
As we come, uh, this text that I read, uh, open there with me to Matthew chapter 7. Often, this verse is misused, I believe. It says, do not judge or you'll be judged. So that means never judge anybody else. Never question what they say. But if you go on to read the context of the scripture, that's not what it's saying at all. Let me take just a moment and, and go through that. Uh, go, go down to verse 3. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? <laughs> you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so what he is talking about here is not that you should never make a judgment, but he is saying you need to be able to make a right judgment. And the way that you do that is not first looking at the other person and making a big deal out of what you disagree with them about, but is to look at yourself and to be honest and to ask questions and to really think, could I be wrong? Is there a log in my eye because I am not truly seeking God and loving my neighbor? Am I giving them a voice or am I not? You see, before I can, your brother still has that speck in his eye. This is still an issue. It doesn't mean there's not an issue to be dealt with. It means you've got to deal with your issues first before you deal with the other issues. And what we're facing in the culture today you know, you hear it all the time. The country is split 50-50, right down the middle. People who disagree with one another. And, you know, guys, it's just amazing. In my generation, when I grew up as a kid, it said, if you want to be a good citizen, you don't talk about politics and you don't talk about sex. He says, now it's just the opposite. If you want to be a good citizen, you have to talk about those things. And religion, you have to talk about those things. Man, how things have flip-flopped. And it seems like you have to make your position known so boldly that there's no room for the other side to be heard. And that's caused a lot of pain. Matter of fact, here's from the Webster definition, Webster Dictionary for Cancel Culture. It, it says, The practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. As I thought about graduates today, and I thought about the world that we have now, and the world that these ladies are stepping into, seeking to be faithful to God, there's a lot of fear out there. Hey, if I stand up in my position for God, there's some other people who really do not like that. And they can be really mean, and I'm afraid, because let's face it, we want to be liked. We want to be loved. And that <laughs> means a lot to us, and so it frightens us. It scares us. And, you know, it used to be, I, I, I guess it still is, I heard the number one thing people are afraid of is standing in front of people and speaking. Of course, it seemed like lately I, I heard uh, for some it's getting a shot. Man, that's tough in, in this era we're in now. Uh, got a lot of shots going on, people getting shot. Uh, but the reason people are scared is why? 
man, we're afraid I'm going to say something really stupid and I might make you mad because I say something really dumb. But if you think about that, what's the real basis of that? The real basis of that is me. And don't get me wrong, you want to be careful. You don't want to say anything stupid. You don't want to hurt other people's feelings. But the emphasis should not really be, oh, I'm worried about what I'm going to say. But what I should really be worried about is how can I love my neighbor? How can I love my God? It says in 1 Peter 3.15 to set apart our hearts in Christ Jesus. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, uh, there's fear and, and many have a choice in the cancel culture. You live in fear. Oh, I might say the wrong thing. Or... I'm so mad at that other person for what they said. I'm not going to listen to them. I want to cut them out of my life. They shouldn't have a voice. And quite honestly, neither one of those are right for a Christian. Neither of those is a way for us to respond. We're to respond with gentleness and respect. That's the choices that we have. Jesus said this in John 7 verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So often what happens is we judge by mere appearances. We hear something and we immediately jump on it. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Well, most of us don't have that big a mind to be giving pieces away. Maybe nothing left. We are called to make a right judgment. We are called to get that log out of the eye regardless of the splinter in the other person's eye. And there have been three storms that have converged to place us where we are now, I believe. The first one is a mental health epidemic. There are people for various reasons, guys, they are struggling from depression, struggling from feeling isolated, struggling because of the conditions of loss, whether it's loss of a job or loss of relationship or, or loss of health. Uh, there's a lot of pain that is out there. I thought of Psalm 77. Uh, listen to the first couple of verses. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. The psalmist was bummed out. People, we all still get bummed out today. And there are a lot of people who are struggling. They're depressed. They're down. If you go keep going through Psalm 77, the next couple of verses, uh, here's a couple of phrases the psalmist shares. He said, I groaned. He said, my spirit grew faint. My eyes wouldn't close. I was too troubled to speak. Will God ever show me his favor again? Wow. Will his favor ever return has his unfailing love vanished forever? I heard about one teenager who was sharing about her peers, her friends, and she said, the truth is, we're all like a bunch of little volcanoes waiting to erupt, to explode. Man, there are a lot of people who are on edge. You know, the old saying, hurting people hurt people. And there are a lot of hurting people. And so that's one of the storms. 
James 1 verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Don't be quick to speak. Don't be quick to become angry, which is so often what happens among us. In Romans 2, 4, we're told that it's God's kindness that leads us toward repentance. In Proverbs 15, 1, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So the first one is that we are in a mental health crisis. Secondly, guys, there are clashing worldviews that we face where people just simply do not agree with one another. And very strong beliefs, very outspoken and a desire to cancel out the other side. Uh, for example, in the issue of uh, homosexuality, a lot of times there's all this emphasis on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which contains a list of those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And uh, one of those, those groups who are on the list are homosexuals. And of course you can get fired up. Who <laughs> the person who, who is into homosexuality, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The problem is that's not the only thing on the list. There's other stuff on the list. Listen to some of these other people that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the sexually immoral. Are you sexually spotless, sexually clean? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever done a no-no? I'm not going any further. This is G-rated, right? I mean, this is the preaching. But have you been sexually immoral? Here's another one. Idolaters. In other words, has your heart been given to anyone but the living God? Do you ever have times where God is not first? Wow. Here's another one. Thieves. You ever stolen anything? I plead the fifth. Kid, I have some issues with that. Greed. Do you ever want something really bad? And then later on you look in your garage or basement and say, why did I buy that? At one point, man, I had to have it. You know? Here's another one. Slanderers. You ever gotten mad at somebody? Run them in the ground. Let me tell you about that slide ball. Where the slander. It's a slanderer. God says the slanderers will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's another one. Drunkards. Hey, you ever, you ever had a trouble with drinking or, or some other kind of drug? Some addiction uh, to a, a drug? Uh, swindlers. Ever rip somebody off? Condom. These are on that same list. So before you just single out that one sin, that one area of sexuality, which is in the confines of, of God's design, understand that's not the only thing. In the next verse it goes down, and it says, you used to be some of this. But now, through the power of the gospel, you've been changed. God's changed you. That, that's the work, that's the power of God. And, and we often don't understand one another because of the differences. But not just clashing views of biblical worldview and, and the world outside of faith in God. But there are other views. For example, my dad fought in World War II. He marched under General Patton into Germany. And man, obviously he loved his country. And I can't imagine now, he's, he's been dead for a number of years, I can't imagine now what he would think 
with a disrespect for our country. People who burn the flag and don't have respect for the Pledge of Allegiance. But then there's another side. There are those who quite honestly have not been treated fairly by our country. Different groups and different races. Uh, one example of that, uh, right after Pearl Harbor, well actually just before Pearl Harbor, there were a group of 6,000 Japanese Americans in California that were studying in the prestigious Presidio Intelligence School where they were learning to break secret codes of the Japanese military. And they would be used all over the world in the war effort for America. But in the meantime, there became a suspicion and a fear of the Japanese Americans who were living in California. And while they were fighting around the world, their families, many of their family members, were put in concentration camps, not in Germany, in the United States of America, out of this fear. And they would lose their liberty for a time as they were huddled together. And instead of being free Americans, they were placed... Uh, in small areas with a lot of other people and given rations. And in the end, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco reported these citizens had suffered $400 million in losses due to this. And no Japanese American was ever found to be guilty. So there were some hurting people in the Japanese-American community as a result of what happened to their families and their faithfulness in the military. So there were conflicting views. There were things that were not understood on both sides. And so there are people that are upset and, and people that want to fight and people that don't seek common ground. But if we are to be people of the gospel, we are to be people who care about people and people who are willing to listen. Because maybe, just maybe, there's something I don't understand or something I don't know. And guys, I need to find out. I need to be enlightened so that I can make a good, so that I can make a right decision why why has this stuff happened uh, well a number of reasons of, of course another big reason is is social media and people get on social media and they just assassinate one another on both sides there's hatefulness there's meanness and guys in the church if we're really divided as a nation 50-50, God forbid, I don't want the church to be 50-50. I don't want Kingsway Baptist Church. Well, we'll sit over here and we'll sit over here and we won't get along and we'll fight. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel says that he has taken sinners and he has redeemed us. He has bought us back so that we no longer act like that. But that we really listen to one another and we seek to love one another. And we understand that, guys, we're broken and we're seeking to follow the one who can mend our hearts and turn it around for us. So how does this occur? Well, one of the ways is through obedience. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, <laughs> we find that the Spirit of God falls. Many come to Christ. And suddenly it's amazing. They're able to speak 
even though they're different languages represented, different peoples, but they're able to understand one another, and God does miracles, and there's a great work that occurs. But then those who follow Jesus are persecuted. They're beaten. Why? Because they're sharing the name of Jesus. And they said, you better stop talking about Jesus, or we're going to really beat you and throw you in jail. We're going to shut you up. They canceled them. And yet when they spoke to Peter and the other apostles, you know what their reply was? We must obey God rather than men. They, they took that suffering as a sign of, I'm not going to be afraid of men more than I'm afraid of my God. And in following him, Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man proves to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Look, I'm a chicken sometimes, a big chicken. I'm not saying I'm not. But may God give me courage, inject some courage in there so that when I need to be brave and bold and yet not be a meanie, but to do it with gentleness and respect, I will do that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the name Jaylene Hinkle. She was uh, a number of years back on the U.S. women's soccer team. And in 2015, which was around the time there was the ruling on same-sex marriage in the Supreme Court, she as a Christian uh, just could not follow the rest of the team who were sold out for that side of supporting same-sex marriage, same-sex unions. And here's her testimony. She said this in the midst of being selected uh, by that, she'd just been selected by that Olympic team. She said, I believe with every fiber in my body that what was written 2,000 years ago in the Bible is undoubtedly true. The world may change, but Christ in his word never will. As you can imagine, she took a lot of ribbing for that, for disagreeing with the team. That She was the only Christian on the team. And so she had some choices to make as they continued on uh, toward the Olympics. They had jerseys that specifically served as advertisements for the um, homosexual community. Was she going to wear that jersey or not? She said, uh, Jaylene said, I, I gave myself three days to pray about this and think about it. I didn't want to make a hasty decision in what to do. I wanted to do the right thing. She ended up uh, making the decision to not wear that specific jersey, regardless of what it might cost her. And here's what she said. She said, if I never get another teen call again, that's okay. Maybe that's a part of God's plan. It's okay. Maybe this is why I was meant to play soccer, to show other believers to be obedient. Here's the second thing, not only obedience, grace and forgiveness. Man, nobody wants to be attacked on Facebook or any other social media. Nobody wants to get locked into an ugly war of words. It's human nature to, to live in fear, whether it's a political party or a religious group or a minority group. It's easy to live in fear. Listen to 1 John 4.18. It says, Perfect love drives out fear. We are, not to call, we are not called to live in fear in this culture, but we are called to live in love. 
for those in our culture through the power of Christ. That's what he calls us to. Um, you see, we get afraid of what we might say because we're selfish. But love commands us to be selfless. To not attack back, but to be firm in what we believe and yet to be respectful to those who disagree with us. Years ago, a church that Cindy and I served in, one of my friends who was one of the deacons, and he was an outspoken character, he got angry because we were going to have a baby shower for an unwed mother in the church. And his way of thinking was, well, she's not any good without a husband. Now she's by herself, and this is a result of her sin. We should not be putting her on a pedestal and rewarding her with gifts from the church. Man, I could not disagree more. This is a young woman who was scared to death. She had decided she was going to not abort her child, but to try to do her best to raise her child. And she needed the church's love. Man, she needed a support system of people that really cared about her. So I think the worst thing we could have done was to say, you shouldn't have done that, and we will not put up with people like you around. Look, at one point, we were all screwed up. And Jesus met us in that sin and freed us through his power. And you can't, you can't treat people like that. In Luke chapter 7, we, we meet a woman, and, and I love this in one um, of the translations. She is described as a woman of the city. Woman of the city. And as a sinner. And she comes to Jesus. You, you guys know the story. Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. I know we don't. Man, good grief, we are out of time. I'll, I'll try to get along here. Um, but if you turn to Luke chapter 7, you meet this lady, verse 36, and, and it tells us um, her response to Jesus. I'm going to start at verse 37 of, of Luke 7. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw all this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching me and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Jesus can read our thoughts. <laughs> He's God. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Jesus said, you judged correctly. Man, we all have a big debt. Canceled by the cross. Canceled by Christ. We need to live in the power of the gospel. We do not need to be known as the church of what we're against. We need to be known as a church of who we are for. 
who is Jesus and the forgiveness and the power and the love that he has brought to us, guys. Now, I know i got to move on, but i just got to read this part. He goes on in verse 44. Here's what he says to Simon Jesus. He says, see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. This woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Guys, look at the picture. We're not here to beat one another up. We're here to receive God and to make him known. And I love it, the next verse. This is so good. He's been talking to Simon. He's letting him in. Then he looks at the woman eye to eye and he says, your sins have been forgiven. That's why we're here. Why? Because Jesus, what he's done, that's what he's done for us. What he's done. And then the third one, then I'm, I'm done. Uh, wisdom. Remember Daniel as a young guy, he's confronted. He's supposed to eat all this food that'll clog up your arteries and take years off your life in one week, probably. You know, I mean, he's, they're eating all this fancy food. And, but for Daniel, it was a matter of following God, because there was a, a strict diet. There was a strict diet of what he was supposed to eat, and it was to honor God. It wasn't for health reasons, but he was pretty wise. So he came up with this plan. He said hey, we're going to eat vegetables and drink water and look at us and look at the other people who are eating these other foods and then look at our countenance and our energy level and all of those things and make a decision that maybe it's okay to eat like we're eating. And so he won favor, but how did he do it? He didn't charge in there and say, I'm coming in there. If you're going to kill me, kill me, but I am a warrior for God. No. He used some wisdom. He, he looked at the situation and asked God for help, and, and he used some wisdom. Uh, Sean McDowell, in one of his books that he wrote with John Stone Street, he's, he said that a businessman gave him and John an idea in regard. Remember the uh, bakery that got in trouble because they wouldn't um, make a cake for a, a wedding of, of two homosexuals that were going to be joined and so, anyway, he said this businessman gave him this idea. <laughs> he said, why don't businesses like this put a sign on the wall that says, we will serve a same-sex wedding. All proceeds from the same-sex weddings will go to focus on the family. <laughs> uh, so, okay, you can do it, but I'm just going to tell you the money, the profit that I get, this is, you know, this is where it is going. What's really sad is uh, just down the street, which you could walk to another bakery that would have been more than willing to make a cake for their wedding. We live in a, a tough world. We need to rely on the strength of Jesus to guide us. I don't want us to be known as a group of people that want to fight with people we don't agree with. I want us to be known as a group of people who have met the living God and we're not the same.
And we want other people to meet that same God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for a time to look at your truth. In a world that wants to silence those they disagree with. And sometimes that's us doing that. Oh God, may the power of the gospel speak. God, help us to see you and live in such a way that that you can't be missed and others see you. And that's our heart. That's our goal. As I think of these graduates going out into this world, Lord, empower them. Empower them to simply be yours and live for you. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us too because we need you. In Christ's name we pray.